Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 39, the first book in the Bible. A little ways through it here. We're getting close to the, uh, I guess it is close to the end of the book of Genesis. But Genesis chapter 39, we're going to continue to look a little bit at the life of Joseph and some principles for application for ourselves. Several thousand years removed from the life of Joseph, but some good godly principles. Last week, we looked at God's plan, and we saw that God's plan always supersedes man's plan. We're going to see that there continues to be kind of a connecting theme throughout this, whether it's God's plan over our circumstances, God in victory, God leading us, God's presence. A lot that Joseph has to deal with is his own circumstances, and we see God doing triumphant and glorious things even through some very, very negative, we could say, or evil circumstances even. And so we're going to continue along that line this morning. Last week we saw that through the treachery of Joseph's brothers, that God was orchestrating his plan. We saw that God is the God of the details, working in ways that we cannot fathom, we cannot understand to accomplish his glory and our eternal good. God is in control. Regardless of how it may seem, he is in control and his plan supersedes man's plan. If we recap on Joseph, he's a 17-year-old at this time, maybe a little bit older as we begin Genesis chapter 39. We looked back at some of his conflicts that he had. He was given the coat of many colors and he had dreams and so his brothers hated him and desired to put him to death initially. Uh, He was given authority and a position of power and prestige by his father. He would have been the heir under Jacob. And then we have him go out to his brothers to check on their peace. Remember, we looked at that. He was to go and to see if they were at shalom, if they were at peace. These brothers who could not speak shalom to him were to go into the world and speak peace, the peace of God to mankind, to a world that isn't interested and doesn't want to hear, really, from us. They are not at peace with us. So he's sent to his brothers, says even before he came close to them, they schemed together to put him to death. And they changed their mind at the last minute and threw him into a pit to let him starve to death. And along comes a caravan of traitors. Traitors? Traitors. (laughs) Traitors. And they decided, this is Joseph's brothers, decided that rather than put him to death, that they would sell him and make profit off of him. And so at the end of chapter 37... In verse 36 there it says, Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. We're going to go down to chapter 39. We are going to see here this morning that God's presence is greater than your circumstance. So God's plan supersedes man's plan. God's presence is greater than your circumstance. Genesis chapter 39 We're going to read from verse 1 to 6. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, that he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. 
And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. We're going to leave it there. May God bless to us the reading of his word this morning. God's presence is greater than your circumstance. In each of the songs we sang this morning, it spoke of God's presence, God abiding, God's abiding presence, or seeking the presence, seeking God. It's good for us to be reminded to seek God, but also of the beauty, the wonder, the awe, that if you are in Jesus Christ, you have the abiding presence of Christ within you, and that that presence is, is incredible. It is incredible that Christ dwells within his children. And knowing that, we can be confident his presence is greater. It, it makes our circumstance, to a certain degree, appear irrelevant when we're reminded that Christ lives within us. As we look through those six verses, God's presence stands out to me in this passage. In verse 2, it says that the Lord was with Joseph. In verse 3, it says his master saw that the Lord was with Joseph. In verse 5, it says, The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. There is something about the presence of the Lord in the life of a believer that sets him or her completely apart from the world in which we live. And we see that in Joseph, that he knew the presence of God, and it was obvious in his life. It was obvious to himself that the presence of God was with him, and it was obvious to those around him. It isn't that his life was necessarily perfect as far as we would measure perfection. It wasn't that all went well as far as we would measure going well, but God's presence was with him. As a matter of fact, the very first verse, I'd like you to see that God's presence does not remove dark days. God's presence is greater than any circumstance, but God's presence does not promise that we will have nothing but a bed of roses. God's presence does not remove dark days. If anyone had cause to believe what we call the prosperity gospel today, it would have been Old Testament saints. Old Testament saints had been promised, obey God and it will go well for you. And literally that meant financially, it meant health, it meant wealth, it did mean prosperity. They were promised that. And yet, Go back and consider all of the Old Testament saints. How many of them enjoyed that without issue in their life? I I, I honestly couldn't think of one that enjoyed continually health, wealth, and prosperity. And yet that was a promise given to the Old Testament saints. And, And the principle is still there that if you obey God, it'll be well for you. Absolutely, it will. It is a good idea, both on a spiritual plane and also just on a physical plane. If you serve God and you work hard and you're honest and you have integrity, then theoretically, it should go well for you. But it seems like there is always the exception. And in every Old Testament saint, we see that exception lived out far more often than we see just, oh, everything is good. So if they, who had that promise, didn't necessarily receive in this life all that was promised, then why would we think, who do not have that promise in the sense of prosperity, wealth, and health, that it should all go well for us in the New Testament. We see right at the beginning, God's presence does not remove dark days. Joseph obeyed God. Joseph was called by God. Joseph had been promised great things by God. And where do we find him? 
We find him on the auction block, a slave auction. So Joseph has been sold by his brothers. That's fairly low. I would imagine you're feeling abandoned and neglected and hated. Joseph has traveled over 400 kilometers. I'm not exactly sure of the distance. From Canaan down to Egypt on foot, probably chained to other slaves, manacles chewing into his flesh, rope around his neck, dirty, stinking, filthy, contemptuous, shamed, maybe afraid, 17 years old, maybe a little bit older than that. Not a pretty picture. And this passage speaks about the presence of God. God's presence doesn't remove dark days. Anyone who thinks otherwise needs to have a talk with Joseph or Job or Moses or Abraham or David. God's presence doesn't remove dark days. But even here, in this position of despair, in this position of revilement, of shunning, of shame, God has a plan. And God is working to accomplish his, pl- his plan. Joseph has been bought by Potiphar, a captain of the guard. And here in Potiphar's house, Joseph would learn leadership and administration and finances and management. God was equipping him through the dark days to accomplish God's purpose. God was equipping him through the dark days. His presence doesn't remove them. God's presence takes and uses the dark days to accomplish God's glory and for our good. God's presence doesn't remove dark days. Sometimes it actually brings them. But it always brings them with purpose. The second thing we see is in verse 2 is that God's presence keeps you every day. It says, The Lord, you notice it's all capitals there, Jehovah, God Almighty, was with Joseph. What a statement. He was not abandoned. And it goes on and says, and he was a successful man. (laughs) He was a successful man. And then in the very same line, it says, in the house of his master. He was a successful slave. Seems to be a little bit of an oxymoron there. Another word for successful is prosperous. Joseph, in this time of slavery, is growing and maturing, and succeeding, and becoming wise, and becoming prudent in management. Joseph is being fashioned according to God's will through this position of slavery. And it was a good house to be a slave in, if you had to be a slave. He was well-treated. He was provided for. He was given a responsibility. He could actually gain wealth. Technically, even a slave could actually own other slaves as they amassed wealth. So this was a position of responsibility and trust, and it was fairly good if you consider being a slave is fairly good. It was the best of the worst if you want to look at it that way because God had a plan in it and God was taking Joseph and accomplishing his purpose in him. It was good for him. It was good for him to be here as a slave in his master's house. Why was it good for him to be there as a slave in his master's house? Because God's presence was there in Potiphar's house with Joseph. Not always happy days, I'm certain but days that still would have been filled with the joy of the Lord because God's presence is with him. And we may walk through days that are not happy. We may walk through dark days and cloudy days and dreary days and painful days, sorrowful days. 
And yet God's presence keeps us in those days. And God is delighted to take those days and accomplish his purpose through them. And his purpose is good. It was good. It's not often we look at our circumstances which are horrible and say it is good. Joseph could look at his circumstances which were pretty horrible, at least initially there, and say it is good because of the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. God has promised his children that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The abiding presence of God in the darkest days is our confidence and is our joy. The third thing that I want you to see is that God's presence is noticeable. It is noticeable. It says in verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him. There is no indicator that Potiphar believed in the one true God, but Potiphar noticed some divine influence, an incredibly positive divine influence upon Joseph. He noticed that God was protecting him or this God was protecting him, that this divine being was guiding him and was influencing him and was causing him to prosper, was blessing him. I want to live like that so that regardless of whether those that I interact with believe or have yet believed come to trust in Jesus Christ or not, that they would look at my life and say, there is a divine influence in that life. We have no record that Potiphar ever did trust in God or that he was ever proselytized. or None. But Potiphar, as a wealthy, high-status Egyptian, remarked on the presence of God in the life of Joseph. An unbeliever saw God at work in a believer and acknowledged it. What a testimony that an unbeliever, and I pray that that would happen in our lives, that unbelievers would remark, that God is at work in our life, that the presence of God rests and abides upon us. And that should be the case with us. Is that the case with us? Christians walk with love and grace that the world can't match or even comprehend, don't we? We walk with such grace and love that the world knows there's a divine influence upon us. All too often we don't. But we can. We should. We must. If God is alive and active in us, how would that not be seen by the world around us? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek him. This is the reason the world doesn't ask us about our unearthly hope because the world doesn't see an unearthly hope in us. Is the reason the world doesn't ask us about our other earthly or otherworldly joy because they don't see an otherworldly joy is the reason that the world doesn't ask us about our peace beyond comprehension, beyond understanding, because they don't see peace beyond understanding in our life? Does the world not ask us about our unearthly love because they don't see unearthly love? Joseph, in a heathen nation, as a slave, in a terrible, unenviable situation, exemplified the presence of God, and so should we. In the New Testament, when when the Jews rejected Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13, this is what they said, Acts chapter 13, verse 47. For so the Lord commanded us, God speaking, says, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Not that everyone would be saved, but that they would shed the light of the glorious gospel upon all those who saw them and heard from them. They said, all right, we're turning from the Jews then because God has called us to be a light 
radiating Jesus Christ to everyone we come in contact with. They radiated the presence of God in their life, just as Joseph did, and just as we are called to and enabled by the Holy Spirit to. Another illustration of this that is used permeating the world is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It's the illustration of perfume. It says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Christ, through us, diffuses the fragrance, the smell, the, the savor of his knowledge in every place. Yes, in two verses it says that it is the aroma of death to some and the aroma of life to others. But there needs to be that aroma. And God is in control whether it's of life or whether it's of death. We're just responsible to spread the perfume of the knowledge of the grace of God, knowledge of of Christ. God's presence. We are to, to look like and to talk like and to smell like Jesus Christ in the world around us. Is to be noticeable in us as it was noticeable in Joseph. Is it noticeable in you? Potiphar saw that God was with Joseph and that God made everything Joseph touched turn to good. That God prospered him. May the unregenerate see God in us in that same way. Now, not only is God's presence noticeable to others, but we also see in this passage that God's presence impacts others. And we see that in verse 4 to 6. God's presence impacts others. Joseph served Potiphar favorably. We see that in verse 4. That in itself is a testimony of the presence of God. It has an effect on others. The fact that we serve God first and that that affects our serving others, our work. It affects our what we do as occupation as well as what we do as fun and as le- leisure and as pleasure. We're serving God first. It should have an effect on others. It went well for Potiphar because Joseph followed God. And so Potiphar makes Joseph overseer of his house. And verse 4 says, All that Potiphar had, he put under Joseph's authority. That's quite a trust for a wealthy, high-status Egyptian to put a slave, even if he is a favored slave, over everything. Matter of fact, it says the only thing that he knew what was going on with was the food that came across his table, basically, which was required. That's how much trust he had in Joseph. He put him over everything, every detail. And what happened? God blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. Potiphar prospered under Joseph's hand. God's blessing fell on unregenerate Potiphar because of Joseph. This is the natural consequence of the presence of God in the life of a believer. You walk with God, you follow him, you enjoy his presence, then you work hard, you live with integrity, you do all your transactions with honesty, and God still blesses all of those things. And he blesses others through you because of those things. What happens when godly people operate on godly principles? Generally, it goes well for them and for whoever they work for. It should be the case anyways. You have a Christian employee, you should say, all right, I know that this is going to succeed because they are going to invest themselves. They're going to be honest. They're going to live with integrity. Be a blessing to others. So be a blessing wherever you are because of God's presence in your life. Allow God to be seen. Cause God to be seen and glorified in what you do and in what you say and in what others see in you and what others hear you say. It will be noticeable and it will have prayerfully 
and impact, prayerfully and eternal impact as you are given opportunity to present the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God on the day of his visitation. Keep your conduct honorable. Exemplify the presence of God. It will have an effect on you, and it will have an effect prayerfully on the world around you. We see in Joseph a person time and time again who overcomes incredible adverse circumstances because of the presence of God in his life. And that is what we are called to do. Not escape every dark cloud that comes our way, but learn to praise God because of his abiding presence, whether in the cloud of pain and trial or in the sunshine of beautiful days. To praise God because of his presence, to allow his presence to be seen, to live in light of the abiding presence of Jesus Christ within us. God's presence is greater than your circumstances. Always, eternally, regardless of everything, God is bigger. He won't always remove the dark days, Sometimes he brings them deliberately to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. But his presence secures you and keeps you in those dark days and enables you to delight in him in spite of them. The presence of God in your life will be noticeable, should be noticeable to others, and it will impact them now and prayerfully in many cases eternally. So cling to him, rejoice in him, radiate him to the world around you. That is the greatest good for you and will be to his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is amazing to us and we cannot begin to understand that not only did God become flesh and humble himself, but that Jesus Christ, you choose to abide in the lives of those who trust in you as Lord and Savior. Our hope is Christ in us. That is the hope of glory. We acknowledge that we are weak, broken, frail vessels. And yet you chose to enter into mankind. You choose to fill us with your spirit as we surrender to you. You have called us to be your hands and feet in this world that the church universal is your body of which you are sovereign head and you delight in that. Even if we cannot understand it, Lord, help us to delight to walk as your feet and to operate as your hands, to be your mouth proclaiming the glory of God. We thank you that you have chosen to abide within us. You call us to walk humbly in that position and yet also to walk in victory recognizing that the power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and active in us and therefore we are called to live free from sin and pure and above reproach that we are to live honorably before those who do not know you 
that we are to serve you in such a way that others would see that we have a different motive, we have a different purpose, we have a different desire, we have a different end game, that they would question that and that we would be quick, not in self-righteousness, but truly in the righteousness of Christ to present you. Thank you for who you are. We thank you for the work that you've done. We thank you that you are continuing to work and we thank you that one day you will return. May there be many who glorify the name of God in the day of your return because they have witnessed our lives empowered by Christ, exemplifying Jesus Christ and speaking of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.